you go. So now I know what you guys are going to do the rest of this weekend. You're going to practice that so that you never have to walk the dog or wash the dishes or, you know, have to do the report at work ever again. You're like, I've got this. So you've got the the world licked, so to speak. So this is the reason I show that that is because we're going to be talking about decisions today. And we're going to get into a couple of guys in the passage of scripture today that had to make uh, a couple of decisions, really a decision, really big decision, uh, how they had to do that. But before we get into that, let's get ourselves up to speed with where we're at in the AD series. We're currently in our AD series where we are taking a look at the, the events and the different people and the things that are happening um, right after Jesus raises from the grave and then 40 days later, Hundreds of people see him alive, and then 40 days later, Jesus ascends to heaven. But right before he leaves, he gives everybody there a mission. He says, I need you to share the love of Christ. I need you to share the message of Jesus with everybody you know, everybody you can find. And so he goes into that, and and he ascends to heaven, and the believers, the disciples, and there's about a hundred of them at this point, they all take off, and they go back to the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus told them to go to start this whole process. They go to the city of Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit arrives, and they are indwelling with the power of God to be able to share this message, to have the courage, you know, the boldness, and all that stuff to do these things. And so then they go into the city of Jerusalem, but then they start to, people start not to like their message. They're like, you're kind of challenging the status quo here of what we've always thought of, of what we've always believed. And so they begin to be persecuted. They begin to arrest them. They begin to even kill them. They take them out. They're trying to persecute them any way they can to stop these believers in Jesus from telling anybody about Jesus. And so as a result, they're left with a choice. Most of them choose because they have to save their lives. They choose to get out. They leave the city of Jerusalem and they begin to spread all over the place. They begin to spread all over the place. And there's this one guy that hates the followers of Jesus more than anybody. His name is Saul. We've talked about him a couple of times in the past two weeks, but his name is Saul. Saul hates Christians. He hates followers of Jesus more than anybody. And so he's leading the charge against these guys. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Stephen, the very first Christian martyr, the first guy to die simply because he believed in Jesus. That's why he was murdered. And we talked about that. Saul was the guy back there going, good job. Get him, guys. Get him. I mean, talk about pure evil. That's this guy. Saul cannot stand these people. He wants to throw them into prison, but if he can get rid of them, even better. And so Saul is doing this. And so where we're going to pick up the story today in the AD series, Saul has been sent on a very uh, specific and special mission to another city. He's leaving Jerusalem and he's going up north to a city called Damascus. And the reason he's going there is he's going to find, he finds out that there's several believers. There's quite a few believers in Jesus up there. And so he's going to Damascus to arrest them, drag them back to Jerusalem, and then put them into prison, put them on trial, or even execute them. That's, that's his whole goal in going to Damascus. So he's on his way. So where we're going to pick up the story is Saul is about to get to Damascus on this mission. He's got a whole group of people with him to help him arrest everybody. Okay, so that's where we're going to pick up. Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 3. As he, Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. 
And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground. When he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So just to sum up where we're at, and then we're going to go on. There's a whole, bo- a whole lot more to this story, but we're going to stop there for just a minute. To sum up, Saul is on his way with a whole group of people that are uh, really given him as a mob, so to speak, a task force to help him arrest anybody who believes in Jesus, anybody who calls on the name of Jesus, anybody who believes in this, he, that's his task. Saul is going with a group of people to take them out. And so he's on his way, and when he gets almost there, on the road there, a light shines down, and for whatever reason, Saul maybe was blinding, maybe it was really bright, but he gets down on his knees, and and he hears this voice, and Jesus speaks directly to him. He can't see Jesus, but he knows there's a light, and he hears this voice, and it's Jesus' voice, and he asks him, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Saul says, who are you? Who's talking? Because I can't see you. And Jesus says, it's Jesus. The one you're persecuting, the one you're going after, that's me. And so I want you to go into the city and I want you to wait and something's going to happen. In fact, it already has. And this must have been pretty scary for the group that he's with and for Saul. But it got really scary when he stood up and he opened his eyes. Because I'm sure he probably thought, did my eyes open? Because just one moment ago he could see and now he can't. He's blind. And he doesn't know what to do. He's probably very scared. And so Jesus, he says, go into the city. And the guys, they have to actually take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He's never been blind before. And so they go into Damascus. And now at this point in Acts chapter 9, then the very next verse, we know that Saul goes into Damascus. The very next verse, then it shifts, the Bible shifts, and gives us the story of another guy. Now, you understand, have you watched those movies where you you follow one storyline over here and there's another storyline over here? There's two people or two groups of people. And then by the middle or the end of the movie, they come together and their paths become linked. And you're like, whoa. I don't usually do that out loud when I'm watching the movie, but I'm going, you know, I'm drooling on myself probably. I'm like, wow, that was awesome how that just worked out, right? And uh, that, that's, that's something that nobody ever wants to see, right? That's just the way it is. Nobody's ever going to watch a movie with me ever. Um, but but this, is, this is what it is. So this is what's going on. We get the story of Saul, and now we're going to get the story of another guy, and eventually they're gonna, their paths are going to meet. It's going to be really cool. So let's, let's get this next guy. So Acts chapter 9, going to verse 10. Now there was a believer... In Damascus, named Ananias, the Lord spoke to him in a vision. God's doing a lot of talking this day, calling Ananias. Ananias says, yes, Lord. Proper response. That's good. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, over to the house of Judas. Now, I just stop for a minute there. This is weird to read in the Bible, right? He's saying, okay, go to this street and go to this guy's name house, you know, named Judas. Now, this is not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. He's gone. Okay, this is not the same. We don't know who this Judas is. This is literally the only time we hear this guy's name. Judas. Judas's house. Okay, who's Judas? We don't know. We know his name is Judas and, you know, we know he has a house. That's all we know. Okay? He is simply giving directions to Ananias. This is very simple in the Bible. God is saying, I need you to go over to Division Street or over to Highway 19 or County Q. And you know that blue house on the left or that gray house on the right? You know, I want you to go there. It's Judas's house or it's so-and-so's house or whatever. 
right? God is simply giving Ananias directions. That's it. He doesn't have a smartphone, so God has to spell it out. All right? So Ananias, you're going to go to this house. You know where Straight Street? Yeah, I got it. You know that guy, Judas? Yeah, I think I know his house. He's the one that has the little flower on top of his roof, you know? That's cool, yeah. Okay, I know where Judas' house is. Okay, I need you to go there. All right? So Ananias gets this, and then God continues. And now this is where God drops it on him. (laughs) And he's like, okay, sure, I can do that. Verse 11. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. <laughs> Guess what? That's you. He's coming in and uh, laying hands on him so he can see again. So he has been given. I am giving him as I'm talking to you. He is now having a vision of you going into the house and laying your hands on him to pray for him so he can receive his sight again. Isn't that cool? This, this is truly how God can work. He can be doing that and doing this. He's, you know, he's not a man, that's for sure, because I know how my brain works and I cannot do two things at once. If I try, I will do both of them very poorly. That's just how it works. Okay? And so God, he, he can do all of this. He can do everything all at once. That's just how he is. Okay? And so he is showing this vision to Saul of this guy named Ananias while he's talking to Ananias and saying, hey, I need you to go over to this guy's house because he's seeing a vision from me that you're going to do this. This is pretty crazy stuff, but that's what's going on. And so we go all this thing, and, and, and Ananias, you have to understand, reading this doesn't quite do it justice. God just told Ananias to go to this house where this Saul guy is hanging out. Now, Ananias already knows who Saul is. Okay, we find out in just a minute when I'm going to read the next portion. We know that Ananias already knows who Saul is. He knows why Saul has come to Damascus. It's quite possible that Ananias, since he already knows who Saul is and knew he was coming to Damascus, it's quite possible that Ananias already has his bags packed and he was on his way out. Ananias maybe was just praying for protection for his journey. God, could you just help me for the journey? Hey, God says, wait a minute. I have something for you to do before you leave. Uh, we don't know. The, guy, the Bible doesn't say that. But it's quite possible Ananias is getting out of town because he needs to escape this Saul guy who's there to arrest him or to kill him or whatever he's going to do. And now God says, actually, I need you to go meet with him. Can you go have coffee with the guy? You know, and he's like, uh, that's the guy I'm running from. Did you, God, you know, I'm packed my bags like I'm ready to get out of here. He says, no, I need you to go to him. And so this is, this is great. The Bible is just awesome. You need to read it. You need to get into it. It's just fantastic. Ananias is going to argue with God. Have you ever tried to argue with God? <laughs> That's what Ananias is going to do. And the Bible records it. I love this. Okay, let's hear Ananias' argument. It's very valid. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias. Have you ever heard that? You know, but Dad, but Mom. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests back in Jerusalem to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Ananias is making a very valid point here to God. But, but have you noticed when you make a valid point that seems very rational to us humans here on earth, to God, God says, just trust me on this. I can, I can see all around all the corners that you don't even know are there yet. Just trust me on this. And, and so God has a response, as God always does. The problem with God's responses, you know what those are usually? They're usually not when we want them necessarily. They're not usually what we want to hear. And it's probably quite different than what we have ever heard before. <laughs> and that's usually how it is. And this is a little bit like this. And, and God, I don't, think, I don't think God was impatient, but God just kind of says, 
you know, I heard the argument, but he's going to kind of cut it off right away. God's like, yep, I heard you. Here we go. This is what he says. But the Lord said, go. In other words, yeah, I heard you, but now just go and do what I asked you to do. (laughs) It's kind of like how we respond to our kids. Uh, Seriously, isn't it? It's like, but mom, now, right. Right? This is kind of God saying, Ananias, do it. (laughs) Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. In other words, what God is saying is, listen, Ananias, you need to trust me. You need to trust me, Ananias. I know who he is. Do you not think that I know who he is and what he's doing? But I need you to do this because guess what? And this must have been probably the craziest thing to Ananias ever. He said, Ananias, Saul is going to carry the message of Jesus far beyond Israel. He's going to be the one to write like a, you know, a good portion of the word of God. He's going to write part of that for me. And, and Ananias is going, what? You've got to be kidding me. This guy is killing Christians right now. And he's going to become one. And then he's going to share. He's going to spread the good news for us. Seems impossible. But he says, trust me, Ananias. And so finally, Ananias gets to the point where he trusts God. And so go to verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him, just like the vision. And said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. In other words, Saul accepted Jesus. Right then and there. Because he, I mean, how could you refute that? He was blind, and now all of a sudden, this guy, God said, Hey, there's this guy, and Ananias is going to come in, he's going to lay his hands on you, he's going to pray for you, and then you're going to have your sight again, and then you're going to share my message. <laughs> and Saul's going, Wow, this is all happening just like it's supposed to. And, and just imagine what it would have taken for Ananias. And I think that this is really key for you and I to hear and understand. Understand what this would have been like for Ananias. I mean, God told him, I need you just to trust me. I need you to go to this house. And there's a guy named Saul, and you need to go do this. And so, so Ananias says, okay. And so he goes in. But understand, Saul has been persecuting Christians. That's all he's been showing that he's been doing. And also, remember that Saul is surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that have hate people like this as well. They hate followers of Jesus as well. And so there's no guarantee. Ananias has no guarantee that these guys aren't going to just mob him when he gets there. Maybe Saul is like that, but what about the other people in the house with him? Are they going to be changed too? And the Bible doesn't tell us what happens with them. We don't know. Maybe they all accepted Jesus that day. And maybe they all got baptized. We don't know. But Ananias walks in. It must have taken incredible courage and incredible boldness. In other words, what did Ananias do? This is what it comes down to. Ananias, God asked Ananias to take a step up in his faith. Isn't that what he was asking him to do? He was saying, I need you to go to another level. You've been here with me. I need you to step up. I need you to go to that next level In your relationship with me, God says, I need you to trust me just a little bit more. And this is how you're going to do that. (laughs) I'm sure Ananias is like, is there another way that we could do that? Is there a different way we could step up? Because maybe a smaller step. God says, no, this is the step. And Ananias takes this step. And what happens as a result? 
Well, Saul becomes a guy named Paul, becomes the Apostle Paul. And as I've already hinted, he's going to write a good portion of the Word of God, the Bible, that we now know. And Saul, who becomes Paul, becomes the Apostle Paul, and he begins to spread the message of Jesus farther and more effectively than any of the original apostles, the original 12 disciples. How does that happen? Because God's power is in him now. Because Saul does a 180. It's a true transformation. So the question becomes then for you and I, right? Because this is what we always have to get to. That's a great story. It's a feel-good story. It's a cool story. We had arguments with God and we had this huge courage. I mean, you made that into a movie. This is, this is awesome. Okay? But the question becomes, what is this story about Saul and Ananias? What does it have to say to you and I? Us here in this room in 2015 in Dane County, Wisconsin. What does it mean for you and I? What does it mean for us? And I think that what we need to get to is we need to realize that all of us in this room, every single one of us in here, are either in the position of Saul or in the position of Ananias. Did you know that? Every person on earth is in the position of Saul or is in the position of Ananias. Okay, let let me explain. Let's get into this. Let's start with Ananias. Some of you have accepted Jesus. You've already done that. Jesus is as real to you as you can possibly imagine. You accepted Christ a long time ago. You made that decision like it's, it's done deal. In your heart, you know, okay, I believed in Jesus. I've been following that way. I've been following the Bible as best I can for a while now, maybe for a few days. Some of you just accepted Christ just a few weeks ago. Some of you just have started doing this just literally within the last couple months. That's awesome. Some of you have been doing this for years. Some of you, we're all in different places. But the, the question then, if you are in the place of Ananias, if you are a believer in Jesus, you've already made that choice, you already are there. If you're in that place, then the question for you is, are you willing to take a step up in your faith? It is not a question of whether or not God wants you to. It is a matter of what is God asking you to do? My guess is it's probably not to go over to Straight Street to somebody guy named Judas and lay your hands on some guy that's persecuting Christians and pray for him and he's going to receive sight. Maybe, but I doubt that that's the expression that God is going to use to step you up in your faith. But he is going to ask you to step up in your faith. He probably already has, in fact. Some of you already know because you've already felt it. You've already felt the tug of God on your heart, on your mind, on your soul. And so the question for you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, if you're in here and you've already accepted Christ, you know that, you remember, you know when you drew the line in the sand, you made that choice, um, then if that is you, then the question becomes, what is it going to take for you to step up in your faith, to take a significant step in your faith? Now, what we've said, this is going to be different for all of us. It really will. Because here's, here's the deal. If, if there's a spectrum, right, with our relationship with God, and here is like you're, you're, you're perfect and with God, and, you know, we can't ever attain perfection, right? But you get as close as you can to God. And over here is maybe before you ever accept Christ. You haven't accepted Christ yet. We're all along that spectrum somewhere, right? Some of us just accepted Christ, and so we've just started that journey. Some of us have been following Jesus for like years. And so we're further along maybe on that journey. Some of us have been following Christ for 60, 70, 80 years. Some of us have. 
And so you're really far along. You've learned a lot about God, and you've learned to trust Him completely with everything. We're all at different places on that spectrum. Would you agree with that? We're all in different places in our relationship with God and how we see God and how much we trust Him. We're all in different places. And what we've always said at Northridge, we're not going to judge people based on where they're at on that spectrum. But what we do really, really pray for and hope for all the time is that no matter where we're at on that spectrum, we're all across the board, is that we are moving along that spectrum. We're going closer to God, that we're seeking that, that we have movement. Because here's the bad thing. If, if we are in the same place, if I, for, for example, if me, if I am in my same place here in my faith than I was last year or five years ago, that's a me problem. That's a between me and God problem. Because God has been guaranteed in that time span, He has asked me several times to take a movement step in faith and trust Him more. And if I'm still here, that means I haven't done it. Does that make sense logically? If I am here and I've been here and God has asked me to take those steps of faith, step up, and I haven't done it, then I'm still here because I haven't learned to trust Him. For example... Okay, just to give you an illustration, if I have my children on the edge of a pool and I'm in the water and I say, trust me, jump, I will catch you. I promise I will catch you. I've got it. If my children stand there and they don't take a step, are they increasing their faith in me? Obviously not. <laughs> they can say they are. Dad, yeah, I trust you. I trust you. Okay, then jump. No. <laughs> I know where their faith is. Their trust is not in me. They can say it all they want. They can say, I believe in Jesus until we jump. If they take a step back, their faith in me decreases, doesn't it? Their faith is less in me. It's the same way with Jesus. He says, I need you to take action, movement, steps in order to increase your faith, your trust in me. The only way to increase trust is to actually jump into the pool. There's no way my children are ever going to trust me until they actually jump. Right? We all know that's true because we've all probably been there. We're either we've been the one on the side of the pool or the one in the pool saying, seriously, I will catch you. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with Jesus. And so if we are, in, if we are a believer in Jesus, then that means what, what it means for us is what, will we take a step up in our faith? What does this mean? It could mean a lot of things. Maybe it means, um, for example, it, it could mean uh, a step up in your faith is that, that you are going to maybe open the conversation about actually volunteering at Northridge or at a church somewhere. That is a huge step for some people. I get it. I know it is. But maybe that's the step up that God is asking you to take and saying, you just need to open the conversation. They won't sit, sit you in there for 10 more years in the nursery. Do you trust me? Ah, now we're getting real. Now we're getting real. Right? Because that's what it comes down to, isn't it? You're like, I don't know. I don't want to be in the nursery for 10 more years at Northridge and a village center. Right? By the way, we don't do that. Ask people who are volunteering. Ask people. We are very good. We talk about it. We have a long conversation. In fact, I've talked to people. We still haven't gotten them involved. And I talked to them a couple months ago. It would take a while because we want you to fit in with Northridge. We want Northridge needs to be met. And we need to mesh those two together. We don't just... We need it filled. Get it done. 
Well, sometimes you do if somebody gets sick in the morning. But what are you going to do? You can't be perfect. Right? But maybe that's a step. Maybe a step up in your faith is reconciling a relationship that's been destroyed for a long time. We talk about this a lot. Did you know that God desires reconciliation and forgiveness? He desires that. I know it's hard to do, and I know sometimes the hurt is so bad um, that, that it's hard to do that. And sometimes you, don't, you feel like they don't deserve it. I get that. But maybe taking a step up in your faith, you know what this would look like? Probably, and say, well, how would I do that? It's very simple. You make the first call. Hello, even when they don't deserve it. I know they don't deserve it. That's why the call hasn't been made. I get that. The email, the letter where you just express your feelings to them and you say, listen, this has been a long time ago or this happened last week or yesterday. And I know we've been at odds ever since. And so we need to fix this. It's just been an elephant in the room for a long time. It could be family, it could be friends, it could be neighbors. I don't know who it is. But maybe a step up in your faith. God says, I need you to make that right. At least on your part. If they don't deserve it yet and they don't accept it, that's on them. Right? That's on them. But you need to do what you know is right. Taking a step up in your faith. All these things, maybe maybe it's simply giving something in your schedule up that that you really feel you need, maybe financially, maybe that second job in order to serve God a little bit more faithfully. What a, I don't know. There's, it's all good. See how different it could be? For some of you in there, we say this and you say, no, nope, that's not for me. And then you say something else. Oh, well, that might be. We're all in different places. And so that is that we all need to answer. It's going to require movement. Just like we said, it's going to require jumping into the pool. Until you jump into the pool, you don't actually trust God. You can say you do. Words are cheap. We all know that, right? Words are cheap. We, we've heard that. We know that's true. Because people can talk all day long, but until I see what you actually do, there's where the proof is. Let me see your action. But some of us are not in that boat. Some of us in here, maybe we're not Ananias. We haven't accepted Jesus. We say, you know, I haven't even figured that out yet. I have never... Jumped off the fence, so to speak. Let's say there's a proverbial spiritual fence. One side is Jesus doesn't exist. He's not real to me. I don't believe it. I'm just not there. And the other side is Jesus is real. I'm going to live for him. That's everything in my life is going to go that way. And a lot of us, this is what I think, especially in in the United States, a lot of us, we straddle the fence. We've got foot. We've got feet on both sides. And we say, well, I believe in God. But, you know, living according to the Bible, I think it was written a long time ago. And uh, Jesus, I don't know, you know, dying on the cross and taking away all of my sins. I just, I'm not sure. And, and we hang out on the fence. And it's dangerous to be on the middle of the fence, let me tell you. But a lot of us, we've dabbled in God. And so we would be in the position of Saul. No, we're not persecuting Christians. I'm not saying if you're in the position of Saul that you're going around and arresting Christians. That's not what I'm saying. We're in the position of Saul. Some of us are in the position of we've never made the choice. We've never made that, you know, drawn that line in the sand and said, Jesus is going to be everything to me, is going to be real to me for the rest of my life. If we've never done that, then we're hanging out on the fence or we're just on the other side. And the question becomes then for us, if we are in the position of Saul, like what Saul was, are we willing to do a 180 like Saul did? Are we willing to be transformed, renewed? 
at that moment, Saul ceased. He completely stopped persecuting Christians because he had become one. And at that point, from that moment on, Saul begins to spread the good news of Christ and the love of Jesus to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. He did it about face, a 180. And the question for all of us here is, we're in one of two places. And so what I want you to do is I want you to wrestle with what place you're in, and I want you to wrestle with what that means and what you need to do. Either you're in the place of Ananias, you've already accepted Jesus, you're on that side of the fence, you're just completely there, you've already chosen that, and you're on that side and you've accepted Jesus, and and that means then the question is for you, what is it going to take for you to step up in your faith, your trust in Jesus? What will it require? And then for those of us that are in the position of Saul, we've never drawn the line. We've never jumped off the fence. The question is, will you do that? Are you willing to jump off the fence? Are you willing to cross that that line and draw that line in the sand and say, yes, today I'm going to make Jesus the leader of my life. He's going to be relevant to me. It's going to guide everything that I do. And let me just say, what I want to do real quick uh, to end here today is... If you're in the position of Saul, if you're in the position of Ananias and you have questions, you say, you know, uh, I, you've heard me, you've t- heard me talk about this thing. It's taking a step up in your faith and you'd like to take a step up in your faith, but you don't know how to do that. You're not sure what that means. If you want to talk about that, I want you to do something on your connect card. Just let, let, let us know. Put your name on there. Say, I have questions about this. I'm wondering about this. I'm wondering if maybe it's this. Whatever you want. If you want to talk about that, I'm not forcing you. I'm just saying if you would like to talk about that how to step up in your faith, then just let us know and we'll contact you and we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll just sit down, we'll have coffee, we'll talk about it. If you're in the position of Saul today, if you know you've never jumped off the fence, you've never made that choice, if you can't remember, if you've ever made a decision to follow Jesus, you've never made that real, then today is an opportunity to do that. Here's what it is. It's very simple. The ABCs, you guys have heard me say this before. A, you just admit that you need Jesus that you have sin and that you need him for salvation. B, you believe. You believe that Jesus is real, that he actually died on the cross, that he actually rose from the grave. You have to believe that, right? If you don't believe that, there's no way you can put your trust in it. Admit it, believe it, and then C, today you can do this. Commit your life for the rest of your life to Jesus. That's what it means. Tons of you have already done this at Northridge in in the last few months, last couple of years. So here, I want to just give you the opportunity to do that. If you're in the position of Saul, you've never made that choice to follow Jesus, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and you simply need to pray this prayer. And the only reason I'm doing it is because what I get 9 times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, is people say, you know, I want to accept Jesus, but I don't know what to say. You know, I I don't know what to tell God. I I don't know how to voice it. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm simply going to voice it. All you need to do is pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just need to pray it in your heart. If this is you. And if you say, I, I'm, I know God wants me to draw the line in sand today. I know that that's what it is. If, he, if he's tugging on your heart and you, you feel a little bit awkward, you feel that tug from God today, I want you to do that. So I'm going to pray. And you just pray this in your heart. And then we'll talk about it in just a moment. All right? All right. Everybody pray with me. God, for those of us in this room that are in the position of Saul, they've never accepted you, Jesus. I I just pray that they would pray these words, pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I admit that I've never accepted you before. 
I admit that I need you and that I have sin in my life that have gone against you. Jesus, today I am declaring that I believe in you, that I believe you died on the cross, and that death on the cross paid for my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you also didn't stay dead, but you rose from the grave and that you are alive now, alive and well, that you conquered sin and you conquered death when you rose from the grave. I believe that. And Jesus, I pray right now, I commit my life to you for the rest of my life, the rest of my days, Jesus, I give my life to you. Take me, all of me, my whole life. May I be known from this day forward as a believer in Jesus. I'm no longer going to straddle the fence, Jesus. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. I admit and I believe and I commit my life to you this very day, this very moment, Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, just real quick, if you did that, and we've had, seriously, we've had, I can see faces. I know who has done this in the, in the past here at Northridge. If you did that, if you meant that, if you believed that, if God asked you to do that today, here's what I want you to do. It's very simple. Just put your name on a connect card. Write, I, I jumped off the fence. I accepted Jesus. Write something in there so we know exactly what you did for the first time today. And, and here's what will happen. It's very simple. You don't have to be scared about it. It will be me. That calls you. It won't be anybody else. It'll be me. I will call you and, uh, or email you if that's what you give me. <laughs> if you send me an email. Okay? And I will simply just congratulate you and be excited with you. And I'll simply ask you if you have any questions. That's literally, that's all that will happen. And if you want to talk, we'll talk. And the conversation can go wherever it needs to go from there. That's, that's as simple as it'll be. It'll be me. And I'll ask you if you have questions. And we'll rejoice. And I'll be excited for you. I'll be a little bit crazy. Because I'll, be, I'll get on the phone. and try, So those of you who I've talked to after you've accepted Christ, you know I'm like, hey! Blah, 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 blah. I'm so excited. Usually it's more intelligible words than that, but I'm really excited. I really get excited. Because here's the deal. That's the most important decision you can ever make is to give your life to Jesus. It's, it's the one thing that the Bible says you have to do and, and you can receive salvation and joy and peace from the power of Jesus in you. And so... So if you did that, we just, need to let, we just need to know. That's as simple as that. We just want to know. We'll rejoice with you. We'll ask if you have questions. So now, uh, if, that, if you did that, just fill out this card. While we sing, we're going to sing a beautiful worship song. Our God is stronger than any other. And if we believe that, I want you to sing it out. If you believe that, I want you to sing it out. Let's worship God. Fill out those connect cards if you have questions or if you did that. And drop it in the box on the way out. But let's stand and let's worship God together. Amen.